Hey, everyone. Alex from Collective Creamery here with a little break in our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, today, we are bringing you a very special mini-sode uh, that we did with our good friend, Madame Fromage, a.k.a. Tanaya Darlington. She's an amazing cheese and cocktail writer, a huge friend to local cheesemakers and dairy farmers in the region, and basically just an awesome advocate for cheese and a great cheese educator, too. She and I sat down earlier this spring for some sort of cheese 101 chats, as we're calling them. We know that we have a lot of people who are in the industry who listen to the podcast. We also have a lot of eaters. And so kind of a, the flip side of getting these in-depth, you know, industry cheesemaker interviews, we want to make sure that all of the eaters out there who listen to the podcast are armed with all of the cheese knowledge that they can get so that they're enjoying their cheeses to the fullest. Today's bonus episode is all about what you do when you first walk into that cheese shop or when you first get your collective creamery share box. How do you store those cheeses? How do you select them if you're shopping? How do you prepare them to be served? All of those really important pieces of information that a lot of people actually don't know. These tips are going to help you keep your cheese fresh for longer, enjoy it more when you do eat it, and just generally live a better cheese life. We will be back to our regular schedule soon. Um, but for today, please enjoy my chat with Madame Fromage. I'm Alex from Collective Creamery, and I'm back with Madame Fromage, Tanaya Darlington, uh, and we are going to talk about selecting, storing, and tasting your cheese today. Yes, there is a right way. I can't wait to talk to you about this because this is literally my favorite thing. It is so important. I feel like people, you know, they invest a good amount of mm -hmm. money at the cheese shop or at the cheese counter. And then maybe they don't store the cheese properly and they have a really bad result. And I, I don't, you know, when I sell people cheese, I don't want that to be the result. I want them to know how to enjoy it at its peak, sure. how to keep it fresh. So, so let's start at, at the point of purchase. Okay. So I always recommend, and I'm sure you would too, going to a reputable cheese counter and buying something freshly cut from the wheel if you can. Just because I think when cheeses are shrink wrapped and you see them in the store, you have no idea how long it's been there. Cheese is a living thing with living enzymes or, you know, active enzymes. And so the longer it's shrink-wrapped, the more dead it's going to taste. I've actually done a little test where I bought a shrink-wrapped cheese at a unnamed big box store and then gone to my local cheese counter and gotten the exact same cheese. I paid a little bit more from the cheese counter to buy it fresh, but it was absolutely a superlative experience to eat the cheese that had been freshly cut for me. Just more flavor, better texture. Way more flavor, better texture, especially in the world of tri triple creams. The, the cheese I played oh, around course. with was actually Delice de Begonia, triple cream from right outside Paris. And if you buy that shrink-wrapped or if it's been sitting in saran wrap for you know two weeks in a grocery cooler, just does not have uh, a wide range of flavor. It tastes flat and dead to me. And the rind gets just pathetically soggy and it's like eating a cheese with wet hair. 
So avoid that that plastic wrap. Avoid that vacuum seal if you can. If I mean, you can for hard some hard cheeses, it's absolutely not as much of an issue. But a little different. Buying them fresh, mm-hmm. buying them wrapped in good cheese paper is really important. It's like buying flowers, right? If you buy them from a vending machine, they're going to look one way. If you pick them yourself or buy them like right from the flower shop, they're going to be beautiful and last longer and much more sumptuous. That's such a good word to use for that. <laughs> <laughs> so then you bring your cheese home and most cheese mongers will tell you, you know, if it's plastic wrapped, unwrap it, um, wrap it in some parchment or sometimes I will take a, an oily cheese and just put it in a cloth ma- napkin and put it in a bag. Like that's oh, how yeah. I store a big hunk of Parmigiano Reggiano or Pecorino. Or you can even put it into, say, a glass container on its own and just let it be kind of loose and free. It's like a little nudist colony in there. And I've often seen when when I've seen cheesemongers store uh, cheeses in a, like a Tupperware or like mm-hmm. a, a glass container, there's usually a, like it's not, um, you're not airtighting, airtight sealing that. Right. You want to leave a little bit of, leave, leave that top ajar. Absolutely. So that, so that respiration can happen. Right. Okay. That's really important. What do you think about cheese paper? Like buying cheese paper in the home. You know, I find that it's expensive and I go through mm-hmm. it so fast yeah. that I tend not to use it. I tend to buy um, unbleached uh, parchment paper and then I wrap that around the cheese and I either put it down in the, the low part of the crisper drawer in a baggie or in some sort of a container. But there's a little bit of air moving around it and parchment is, you know, easy to come by. And, and you're trying to, the goal, um, so people understand why we're mm-hmm. using these techniques, the goal is to hold in humidity without stifling the cheese. So you Perfect. respiration, but keep some humidity in there. Sure. So that's why we're saying, you know, wax paper or parchment and then a plastic bag around it, but you're mm-hmm. not like sealing up that Ziploc or that Tupperware or something. Exactly. Because like otherwise you'll get these little dewdrops on the inside of the bag and the cheese no, will begin you. to mold faster. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can really keep cheese some cheeses quite a long time, your harder cheeses quite a long time if you give them a little bit of airflow and then you put them in the bottom part of your fridge where it's the coldest. Coldest, protected from that drying mm-hmm. effect exactly, of, of in a the drawer. blowing uh, cooler. Okay. And so you, once you've got your cheeses properly stored, you're ready to have a little snack, ready to have a little party. What do you do? You get ready to relax your cheese. This is, I think of like the best part of the party is the hour before anybody comes. First of all, you fix yourself a little drink. You take out your cheeses and unwrap them. Uh, You set them out on the board. If you're worried about things like, you know, dust or something getting onto them, you can drape a a clean cloth over them, like a clean dish towel or a little cheesecloth. And you just literally let those cheeses relax. So just like you wouldn't serve cold chocolate to guests, you don't serve cold cheese Mm. because the you know, the cheese is kind of has tight flavors when it's cold. Uh, I love a cheese that's room temperature in the summer where it's like ugh, almost sticky to the touch when you pick it up. So yeah, you want to just let those cheeses sit for a bit. And so that when your guests come over, um, your cheeses are relaxed, you're relaxed, everybody has a good time. And I usually tell people like an hour. Does that yes. sound about right to you? Yeah. Okay. Although I will say like with some softies, like sometimes I've bought a Windermere, a Harbison locally, mm-hmm. thistle or um, is it damselfly from Doran? Right. Yes. Um, like a cheese with a kind of a soft downy rind. Sometimes I'll get those out really early, especially if um, – if it doesn't feel quite ripe, if it doesn't give a lot to the touch, right. I might yeah. set it out the night before under a cheese dome. I might oh. set it out in the morning and just let it really come to room temperature and even ripen a tiny bit. 
Well, yeah, if you're about ready to eat it, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't mm-hmm. sound too risky. Um, and obviously, if you're in like a 95 degree, Correct. No. you know, middle of July situation, uh, or if you've got, you know, like if you're outside Correct. at a picnic, no. um, you want to be a little more, pr- more more protective, maybe unwrap them um, closer to the time that you're going to serve because uh, flies love stinky cheese. Yes, they <laughs> and do. And they'll attack it. Um, and if it's colder, you might want to consider putting them out a little earlier. Sure. The thing I like about a cheese dome, especially one on a marble base, is that marble base stays cool mm. and the dome keeps anything from, you know, landing on the cheese. That's such and a smart so investment. I find, yes, I use my little cheese dome on a marble base, which is like from a secondhand store more than just about anything in my kitchen because I've always got some little nub I want to tuck away but not in the fridge because I might want to eat it later. And I just find that it's perfect. And you can also just put the whole little cheese globe in the refrigerator overnight. And then, True. you know, it gets really cold in there. You can save those leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you ever tried the America's Test Kitchen trick, which I do recommend to people on occasion at the farmer's market stand where you're maybe you're rushed for time or you forgot to pull out your cheeses uh, or maybe you're, you're going to be going right from a cheese shop where they keep things a little cooler to the party that you're going to or something like that and you want to warm those cheeses up quickly. Mm, I don't know this trick. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you and, and our listeners. Um, you want to double seal the cheeses and I, I think this works better with hard cheeses. I don't know if maybe you could do this with a brie, keep it in the wrapper. Okay. Something super delicate, I might um, not do that. But you double wrap them in plastic bags, like sealed Ziplocs so that like no water is going to get in. You get, um, you want to have like a just slightly warm to the touch water. Okay. So like just a little bit above your room temperature and then put your cheese in that warm water. Oh. And you can do this just out of the tap. Like, it's like a water bath. Like, yeah. Just like, like a warm water bath, ah. almost like you're very gently sous vide your cheese ah. because you don't want to add um, you know, you don't want to melt it. You nope. don't want to like alter its chemical structure or alter its physical structure by by actually applying heat. But that'll speed up that the temperature component of the relaxation process. If you're really desperate, I'm always pushing for people to get the full flavor yeah. from their cheeses and not pull them out of the fridge cold. So that is that is one uh, sort of emergency technique to have in your I back pocket. I love that. Don't rely on it. I love but that because that happens a lot around here where I invite someone over that I forget to yeah. relax my cheese. And it's such and- a bummer when you're like, oh, it's cold. It'll be better in like an hour. <laughs> right. I know. Now. Especially if it's like a little camembert or something mm-hmm. like that where it's like you cannot rush that thing along even by yeah. cutting it thinly. Yeah. So so that's sort of like it's sort of a cheat. It will it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, use use it sparingly as, as a sort of backup technique. So once your once your cheese has been relaxed, like Hopefully we've seen it at the at the cheese shop. We've seen the maker cut into it. We've got a, a, the monger cut into it. We've got a chance to taste it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once once we look at it, like how how do we know that we we made a good investment and we bought like a nice wedge? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I'm not exactly sure how to answer or, that. Or, or what do you look for oh, in terms of tasting? In just it? like a healthy in a healthy cheese. Like how do you assess it visually? Maybe oh, the way. got how you do, uh, uh, to that, what I'm asking. Gotcha. Well, if it's a soft cheese, I'm hoping it's it's ripe so that I I you know. But I hope that the the rind isn't slipping off that little brie, for mm, example. I'm mm-hmm. it's not overripe. I'm hoping it doesn't smell like ammonia if it's a, a young right. cheese. If it's a harder cheese, I'm hoping that it looks supple and it doesn't have you know dryness around the edge or cracking. 
anything. Not too much like rind that. growing into the paste. Correct. Which, you know. Yeah, things like that. But honestly, I have cheese that gets a little moldy and dry here uh, just because I'm always like dealing in quantities of cheese. I just scrape the mold off, you know, and I, I eat it. I don't worry. The cheesemongers have taught me not to throw any cheese away, so I don't. And if a cheese is a little dry around the edges, I dab it with a little bit of white wine. Oh. Like a really, just like a little Sauvignon Blanc or something like that. And I just think of it as like, you know, dampening its brow just with, with a, like a little <laughs> cotton ball dunked in some white wine and it just revives the cheese. That is such an interesting trick. I'm going to have to try I read that. about it, I think. I recover a wedge from the yeah. back of the cheese drawer. I think it was in Patricia Michelson's book, The Cheese Room, which is one of my all-time favorite oh. books. And it's just so full of these practical kitchen tips for a cheese lover. Oh, I love a practical kitchen tip. I do too. Um, another tip, well, a as we've said, you don't want to be buying it wrapped in plastic if this does happen to you, um, which it may. One tip that I've picked up is just scraping your sharp knife along mm -hmm. that paste on that cut surface because the, the surface of the cheese will pick up a little bit of a plasticky flavor. You're not like shaving it off. You're really just scraping off that very outer layer of molecules on both Absolutely. sides. And that'll freshen it up and really get that plastic taste off. So if you do have the the... The case that you're buying that, you know, you know, you want to avoid it. But if it does happen, you want to make sure you get that plastic flavor off the cheese. And you'll see a good cheesemonger do this in the store too. Mm -hmm. If they unwrap something for you that has been sitting in plastic, often that cheesemonger she'll scrape the knife up the side of it just to sort of remove any particulate or any of those plastic flavors that do cling to the edge of the cheese. Because you you can taste it, especially the more you develop your palate, you'll you'll taste those off flavor notes. So then we're actually getting ready to put this cheese in our mouths. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Um, Let's truly relax. How, how do you how do you like to assess it? It's nice and warm. It looks great. You've mm -hmm. done any reviving that you might need to mm -hmm. do to that mm -hmm. wedge? Do we we cut into it? We cut into it, and I always like to cut a cheese so that there's some of the rind in each slice, right. especially uh, aged cheeses. You know, they age from the outside in, so the outer edge will taste completely different from the center. Think of a piece of Gruyere, or um, you know, even a piece of Gouda. So I always cut cheese. In, in pie wedges or thin slices. I like to put out a cheese and, and cut a little bit of it for guests because I think that looks inviting. Mm -hmm. But I don't chunk things up into like, or I don't cube things. I don't cut the whole cheese. Um, I like th them to be able to see what a cheese looks like when it's composed. So if it's um, a little soft bloomy, I might cut two or three little pie wedges, but then I leave them, uh, leave the other half intact so they can see it. And then I think so much of enjoying cheese is really just through the sense of smell. So before I even eat a piece of cheese, I'm going to smell it. I'm sure you do too. Um, often I'll break off a little piece. I'll rub that piece between my fingers. I've watched cheesemongers do this for years and then I right. finally asked why. <laughs> you know, you relieve it, re releasing of the scent. Then you smell that clean break or you smell that like a little bit of like warmed cheese especially if it's not quite room temperature. And that's where the taste experience began is, is really through your sense of smell. And then I have this little yoga broth that I love to do, which is something I learned from someone who's a cheese judge, Hunter Fike over at Brunner Brothers told me, if you put a piece of cheese on your tongue, you soften it for a moment. So you close your mouth, you soften it, and then you open your mouth and you inhale over the cheese and then exhale through your nose. So inhaling over the cheese that's on your tongue and then... <laughs> out through the nose, you pull the flavor notes into your upper palate and you really experience this larger than life sensation of like this cheese is in my mind. And that's before you've really tasted it. Exactly. But wow. suddenly the flavor really comes to fore and then you chew and you begin to 
follow the journey of, of taste. So what does it taste like when it's first soft on your tongue? What does it taste like as you chew? Is it releasing any new flavors? Maybe a sweet, sharp note, maybe tang. And then I love what is the taste on the finish. So once you swallow, how long does it last? Does it turn bitter? Do you taste grapefruit? Um, does it just dissipate quickly? Mm, Maybe it's mm -hmm. a cheese with one note. So it's very much like tasting wine or tasting craft beer. There's an experience. A cheese, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but cheese takes you on a journey like anything else. So Absolutely. I'm always looking like, lead me, you know, take me cheese, you know, down this this path and what can you do? What can you show and me? And I remember there's a wine writer in our area in Philly, Marnie Old, who- Oh, she's fabulous. Who at the, at the last uh, sort of uh, cheese flash mob event, the Cheesemas Party, uh, here at Martha in Kensington, um, she had mentioned, she was talking about assessing cheeses and, and likening them to wine. And she said, just like a tuning fork, when you strike a tuning fork, you should listen, or like a bell, you should listen yes. for how long that tone lasts. And how long that lasts is a way to assess sort of the craftsmanship of that artisan cheese or that wine or beer or cider or something like that, which really like made light bulbs go yeah. off for me. So it's I, a great I love metaphor. You know, maybe not for young cheeses, like with a chef, I'm not looking for long Lighter, lasting, yeah. you know, tuning fork pitch, <laughs> but for your age cheeses, things that have been in a cave 12 mm -hmm. months to two years. There know. should be some stuff going on. Oh my gosh. It should and stay with you. Yeah. I think of some bandaged cheddars where it's just like you're tasting it and you're tasting it and you're tasting it. It's like this forever cheese experience, you know? And so uh, I know that one, one another tip for, for getting a little bit more out of that taste is to sort, sort of like what you do when you breathe over the cheese and then out through your nose to get that smell up, up in your olfactory zone mm -hmm. um, is sort of breathing into your mouth and you'll get more of that after flavor. That like sense. your mouth closed, breathing out, out through your nose but into your mouth, but you're, you're thinking about what you're tasting more right. than what you're smelling. Right. Um, yeah, do you then, have any other tips for, for tasting cheese? I mean, because you've been behind well, the counter a lot and people must ask this question. Those are all the time. those are probably the ones that I would say. And I, I haven't I don't use them as often when I'm telling people how to keep their cheese because like most of them know why they like it. Yeah. <laughs> They're less interested in those like nuts and bolts uh, sensory evaluation kinds of things. And if I've done my job, they already believe and or know that the cheese that I'm selling them is a quality one. I think that encouraging people, always encouraging people to taste the rind. I, mm -hmm. when I was growing up as a kid, my, my parents would keep Brie around, you know, with the holidays and I would, I would always be super sketched out by the rind and I've obviously grown beyond that, but yeah. I still, I have, I do have some like, you know, grown up friends who just like can't do it from the texture and I'm always like a little disappointed. <laughs> um, but, but it, you know, I forget who's, who told me this, maybe it was you years ago. You know, you should always taste the rind. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep eating it. But mm -hmm. that is part of, it's part of the package. It's like, you know, uh, cupping your hands around your eyes so you only see part of a painting or sure. something like that. It's perfect. Um, it, it's, it's part of the experience. So you should, unless it's wax or unless it's a really, really aged cheese with like an inedible rind, mm -hmm. you should always taste it and see where that takes you. Taste you. It might take you to, you know, a basement or a cave or, you know, the f a forest floor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But all of that is part of the experience and is going to enhance maybe the, the part of the paste, the part that you think of as actually cheese. Uh, it's true. So, yeah. So that that's definitely a tip of mine. Um, 
I just have to say, I love being at a party where people clean out the inside of a brie or a camembert and just leave the rinds because I feel like that's the best part. And then I just <laughs> like to take them home and I toast them on baguette right, rounds in the up. oven and drizzle them with some honey and a little black pepper. And to me, that's like that's to me that's the best part of the cheese. And I want to know your thoughts on uh, sort of a, a leftover cleanup method. Sure. I wonder if you make this a lot. You're, you're Like you've said, you're always kind of uh, churning through um, a cast of characters in your cheese drawer. But fromage fort, if you yes. have a little cheese bacchanal, <laughs> and again, this doesn't happen to me very often, but it does sometimes. Uh, if you've got little odds and ends yeah. left, you can blend them up with like a little garlic, a splash mm -hmm. or two of white wine, mm -hmm. and surprisingly, a little salt and pepper. Yeah. Um, Maybe don't use a ton of blue unless that's what you want it to taste like. But what do you, is that something that you make often? That's what I've done too. And I've also played with other spirits too, like a little Calvados. Um, oh. You know, with a little bit of nice. apple notes, especially if you do have some like stronger cheeses in there, mm -hmm. some washed rinds or whatnot. Sometimes the white wine just won't do. Um, but this is something I like to make in winter after Thanksgiving. Right. Say when you've had a cheese board and then there's all these scraps left over and you just know you can't get to them. So yeah, you chop up some garlic, you drop your cheese uh, in there, usually you put it in like a, you want to grind it up a Cuisinart yeah. or something like that. And then just until you get sort of a creamy paste, you just start pouring in um, some wine or a little, you know, a little brandy or a little something like that. And then actually the recipe I have just has you leave it on your kitchen windowsill for a couple of days. <laughs> of course, the windowsill. Um, very French. I think it's also from the cheese room by Patricia Michelson. <laughs> um, but you can also put it in your uh, your fridge and if you feel like it stinks up the fridge too much no I don't mind that but some people do you can put it in the freezer and you can oh. pull it out later because honestly by the time you have mixed all those cheeses together um I don't think that you're not super usually worried I never, about the, the, the structural integrity. I don't know. Usually I don't worry about, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't never freeze cheese, but with something like fromage four, especially if I have a lot of it, I don't know when yeah. I'm going to get to it. And often I put it on baguette rounds and put it in the toaster anyway mm -hmm. with some honey on it or something. So I'm not eating it by itself. And it, that will, it, it's a very pungent cheese that if you it are is. keeping it on the counter in the fridge, it will increase. A yes. lot of times when we blend flavors, they like mellow out, but this yeah. will just keep getting funkier. So for that, if, if that's not quite to your taste or if you've had it been sitting out for a long time and you still want to use it, that broiling step mm -hmm. or or if, if a cheese is, if maybe um in the cheese shares, like someone is a little less into the wash rinds, we include mm -hmm. one. I always tell people like broil it a little bit mm -hmm. and that will take a little bit of the bite out of it. It's true. I do um, feel like heating a cheese. Bring out those buttery little yeah. friendlier flavors. And yeah, fromage for it, the thing I love about it is Ideally, you know, you've had all of these, you know, people over, you've had this fun, this fun party and you kind of have, um, you know, depending on how long it is between, between your entertaining uh, engagements, uh, you sort of have an ingredient for your next party table exactly. all ready to go and exactly. it's recycling. Yeah, it's fantastic. Or you can smear that fromage four onto some flatbread, add some caramelized mm -hmm. onions, and it's pizza. like suddenly you've made yourself oh a pizza God. or you've made yourself a great little appetizer. And then, you know, you start cracking up on a little port or sherry and it's just perfect as a pairing. So I think there's all kinds of creative uses for rinds. Another one is, you know, if you have hard cheeses, manchegos, parmesans, pecorinos, where they have those really right. tough leathery rinds, dropping them into a soup mm -hmm. as a vegetarian, almost like vegetarian bouillon is terrific. So I always use my hard cheese rinds in a broth. Yeah, even Equinox, that's a Sue Miller's yeah. Alpine cheese, which we occasionally include in the idea. share. It's, it's, I tend to think of it as a milder mm -hmm. hard cheese, uh, but it'll add a lot of really nice body and savoriness to yeah. a soup. 
Yeah, it is like a soup bone. I feel like it's the vegetarian's soup bone. You know, it's it's got a little saltiness. Sometimes it <laughs> might add a little bones. minerality. And then even, you know, the cheese, that cheese leather sort of softens and you can chop it up and drop it back into the soup at the end if you want. And it's like you're getting these like Ooh. little chewy pasta bites. Uh, I don't know. I, I always I eat all of the time. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm always like, you can make wine jelly with the leftover wine. But again, <laughs> leftover wine, leftover cheese. Well, thank you so much, Tanaya. Thanks, Alex. It's been a pleasure having cheese with you once again. Collective Creamery is Stephanie Angstadt, Sue Miller, and Alex Jones. Jordan Heil produced the podcast, and Mike Lorenz wrote our music. You can hear him on Thursday nights at the Tired Hands Brew Cafe in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can learn more and subscribe to our cheese subscription at collectivecreamery.com.